This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. When I first started working with Dr. Natasha Rees, she was employed as a King's Prize Research Fellow at King's College London. A series of life events had rocked her confidence and she wanted to focus on improving her career and confidence. What made the most profound difference was uncovering the underlying limiting beliefs and patterns of behavior, which were replaying out in multiple different areas of her life. By implementing the tools and techniques to deal with the underlying emotional allergies, she was able to identify her true purpose and took her first career pivot as an independent researcher development consultant. Having gathered insights from this experience, she is now working on integrating her natural talents into her next career pivot. I can't wait for you to hear Natasha's story in her own words. Welcome to the show, Natasha. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. (laughs) So great to have you here. Um, I would love it if you could start by telling people a little bit about yourself. Yes, of course I can. So as Hannah said, my name is Natasha. Um, I was for many years a postdoctoral researcher in the area of sort of biophysical chemistry. Um, But very recently, I made a bit of career change. And I'm currently a researcher development consultant at a university. So pretty much what that is, is supporting the development, the professional development of researchers. In my case, it's focusing on those that are on, let's say, research staff contracts, everyone post PhDs, that's your postdocs and your research fellows. And my role does everything from, let's say, coordinating training opportunities, interacting with researchers to know their needs, conducting analyses, and being involved in like high level strategy and policy to ensure that we're implementing the concordance and guidelines to ensure people are supported beautiful so well explained as well (laughs) thank you I love that um and I know that you yourself have been through a lot of personal and professional development so it actually comes as no surprise that that is an area of interest for you (laughs) yeah absolutely it most certainly has it's been a very big part of my life for about Well, I say I met you two years ago, and I definitely started on a journey about three years ago. So I can actually, why don't I say, because I guess I had three years ago, I guess, I mean, I think it had always been a bit part of it. But about three years ago, I went through, let's just say a significant period in my life that I actually needed to do some processing on afterwards. So effectively, it was around the time I started my postdoctoral fellowship. So both of them at the same time, maybe not the ideal solution. But when I had that happen, it already encourages this thing of like, what's actually brought me to this point? Mm-hmm. And so I had done a lot of work in the background alongside my own job, actually, to sort of explore this. And I think I'd got to this point, I'd made progress in that area. And how I came to you, Hannah, was, of course, that um, at that time, I was thinking, well, actually, the thing, this sort of work that I've done in this area, I would like to bring to actually my career as well so I you know I'm covering all bases so there I mean this was in the midst of the pandemic as I say so we're all 
at our homes and probably at the time in my career I think I'd been thinking you know I think feel like I've lost my mojo a bit let's put it like that and how much is the pandemic is it some of the other stuff I've been going through or is was there something a bit more fundamental yeah to go through so yeah so yes personal development's been a big part of my life and yeah thank you for that and I know that the pandemic has been a big pause point for many people to reevaluate what is and isn't working in their lives and what did you discover was it something of a more fundamental journey or just lost mojo what did what did you decide at that time I think at the time I I was a bit open but I have a feeling that there were things that were a bit more fundamental that I needed to actually explore I guess the whole thing with the personal development stuff is really trying to connect with what you want and probably some of the biggest discoveries I maybe made was maybe at the time reconnecting with the fact that some of what was now more driving me career-wise was maybe not originally what I was doing at the moment at that time so you know so I mean I was um you know through my PhD and my postdoc I'd been in a research career working on a quite a specific area of physical chemistry for a long time and it had done me very well I'm proud of those results but feeling a little bit like actually there's other things now that are coming in and this actually is I realized a lot of it was focused much more on people let's be like that so I actually if I were to reflect now I don't think it's actually new um, because I can think many years of the fact I've had this interest because I realize I've and I got to reconnect with this, this idea of understanding, ensuring we have good workplace culture, you know, emotional awareness and maybe creating this environment for, you know, for people that's, you know, build psychological safety and trust. Um, if you're in an academic environment and this will be applied to other businesses and so on as well, sometimes that's not always perfect. And I think it was something that was always an interest. So I think through this process, I I actually got to just sit down, think about, let's say, my value. So that's going to t- things like my purpose, think of purpose, vision, talents, and so on, and going, hang on, when I do these exercises, I'm actually interested in the people side. Mm-hmm. And it's this bit I started taking forward in the next steps of my, when I was sort of thinking about what I could do career-wise. Mm. Yeah, Perfect. Thank you for explaining that. So if we go back to just before you started coaching with me you said you've had this significant life event alongside starting your own postdoc fellowship as well yeah and lots of and the pandemic so lots of kind of layering things on top of each other compounding in a sense of I think fundamentally I need to be doing something something needs to change something needs to be different exactly so what were you actually at that time hoping to get out of coaching why did you go down that route um rather than a different route my coaching I think basically what I was after was specific tools I could use to just explore those questions that I had whether or not it was um trying different strategies for thinking about structure whether or not it was um if there are any tools I mean that I could actually use to just explore me and my connection with myself let's put it like that and those fundamental values and I think I felt through the coaching route um, that they, they were actually provided for me, you know, basically, you know, I, you know, I survived the tools. I of course have you had your good self uh, supporting me through. And I guess what's say 
I don't want to say challenging, but in some ways I do want to say, you know, actually, you know, bring up things that maybe I may have thought of as I reflect. Mm. And so as I could actually work through some of those, because some of it has just been, okay, maybe some aspects of my work are fine. Some of it's also been, hang on, there's a pattern that I keep doing that's stopping me from progressing and having someone actually, actually someone there as well, as well, those tools to pick those up has been paramount because I say things like when it gets to fundamentals such as patterns and emotions and things we yeah they block us completely and often that that lens is positive for that I think that's a really great point that you're raising there so coaching is about being in the present but also defining what you want out there in the future even if you don't really have clarity on it when you're first starting it's getting that definition definitely color and everything, whatever it is that you want to do, mm. adding bones to it. And in doing that, we do look at tools and techniques where you can dive into like looking at your career values or life values, looking at your natural talents, like the practical things to get you there. But ultimately, if there is a pattern of behavior, emotions, something that is preventing you from taking the actions, the results are not going to be as effective as if we actually challenge those and really dig in deep. And the thing that I noticed with you was this willingness and this openness to be able to go, oh, and you, you would come to me and say, I know I'm stuck and I'm blocking myself, but I don't know what it is. And then we could go and explore why you weren't taking the action or what was going on. Exactly. That. Yeah, <laughs> that's completely true. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, you don't have to answer this question, but I wondered if um, you wanted to share one of the patterns or the beliefs that you had about yourself that what was kind of holding you a bit more stuck. I mean, one of the most common ones I would say that I think a lot of us have is things like imposter syndrome, which is your, you know, whether you actually believe in your capabilities. That was a very, very big one for me, um, just through, you know, because I think as I've as I've gone through my work and then even as I was transitioning part of you is going oh gosh do I actually have the skills to to move on or to carry on like this you know is you know and and things like this um probably another one I would say that I think is a really cool one is fear of judgment you know as I say if you do something I mean even if you let's say take a career change what are people going to think as you do it you know so yeah, yeah. what will people think exactly <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I think when it comes to academia, we can form a very strong identity around being an academic because it is one of those career conveyor belts that's very set and it's very certain and it's linear and you know exactly what the next step is. Yeah. Should you come across a static point or a point of maybe it not working or wanting to move beyond it, taking those steps can often be perceived internally as it being a failure to reach the pinnacle of being a professor how is oh, that true. um how have you found that shift in identity for yourself of having stepped off that traditional academic pathway I think it's been um a very mixed one let's put it like that because though part of you is going okay maybe you know as I sort of because I say what well, I think what I had decided when I how I came to sort of change was I guess I came to the end of my postdoctoral fellowship and you know I'd been umming and ahhing anyway as to like uh, do I carry on do I not and I, I'd gone and left and sort of gone why don't you I just have a go at exploring other things you know you know 
I, you know, because part of you is, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, <laughs> and what, did, what am I doing? And then part of you, part of me in the background, because I had built this idea of what I might like going, hang on, you know, if it's not academia, you have an idea what you're, you're going into and you can explore this. But I think it's, yeah, as I say, going back to the identity one, I think it's, it's been interesting because it's that same thing. You're, you are on, you're following this sort of capability trap. And I mean, what I was doing in my research, I was doing a long time. I, so my research was focused around like um, studying the structure of biomolecules and drug compounds and solution. And I had been doing that since my PhD, using the same tools. And it was a very core part of my identity. And I guess there were different things, you know, different ways that things had progressed that I guess I was becoming a leader in it. And to effectively go, hang on, I'm not doing it is it's a big thing to go maybe we're not doing this by or at least you know or at least taking a chance or taking a break or whatever it is um so it hasn't you know I can't say it's been the easiest and it's but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing I think it's the way that we frame it as you know it's it is a change in identity but you have those tools that you've got to to take with you you know I'm not a very big fan of when it's you know we we kind of narrow people down like you're just a scientist or you're just an artist you know we are we are a lot of different things and even if let's say my front facing identity is now different it doesn't mean that necessarily those skills are gone and they feed into my next stage basically for sure i mean as an analytical chemist myself having that ability to be analytical around things that scientific approach to having a hypothesis testing it out, seeing what works, being able to make a new hypothesis when it all doesn't work, um, and being able to cope with failure because so many experiments failed. Um, having that mindset and that resilience that you build up as a scientist is an invaluable life skill in and of itself, for sure. And I think sometimes when we focus upon what we want to be, you know, I want to be this scientist or I want to be a doctor. Or I want to be a fireman, whatever it is. We kind of lose sight on the fact that that makes makes it an endpoint. So once you achieve that, what else really is there? Exactly. Yeah. No, so yeah, that you only go so far and it's like, well, what now? You know, I think in the long run, you know, especially when you're trying to make uh, progress in any parts of your life, you kind of want to focus again on what really brings you purpose. And if you're just focusing on a random endpoint, going, oh, that's it. <laughs> what am I achieving now? What we really want in our lives is to be able to go, those are the big things. And yeah, just focusing on one thing when there's so much. Mm. Or yeah, there could be multiple chapters um, and they're all valid in their own right. And I have some specific tools that I work with around finding life purpose defining your mission, looking at your vision. And I know that you've explored some of those through our one-to-one coaching, but also the career design mastermind. So I wondered if you could share your current version of your purpose, if you have that kind of in your mind. Again, I think it roughly goes to this idea of um, my basic, my, my big interest is around actually my big interest is emotions actually and probably a lot of it is I'll be blunt it's actually informed by me making being the guinea pig in my own life and trying things and realizing I had a real big interest of emotions and how that played out into areas such as frankly the workplace you know this is how you know it's to do with our interpersonal relationships and things which is how 
you know, we can see a lot of success and also how we can get burnout. And part of me is just fascinated with how that works and, and why we have things in one way and how we did not in the other. I and mean, that comes from years of just my own experiences and observing others and their different dynamics and going, oh, that's good. Oh, mm. <laughs> you know. So, as you know, we, we might need a little bit of work there. And I say, yeah, because in the end, as I said before, what we really want in our environments is that essence of like being trusted, psychological safety, because if you don't have that, you're not going to have happy workers in a nutshell. And I say, yeah, so it's, it's really very much driven by people. And this is, yeah, this is what when I did the exercise, I found fascinating because it, I wasn't surprised it came to people actually when I did it, um, using mm -hmm. both means because. I mean, I slightly joke in the back of my head, I I don't, well, it's not really, I know you said I'm not a genuine scientist, but that's not actually true. But more of the case that it's not the first thing I thought of for a career, because I actually thought I, thought I was going to be a linguist, and then life happened, and that didn't go on. But, you know, it's very people and connection, you know, connecting with others and so on. And then I transitioned to going like, okay, a bit more science, like to medicine, and then I ended up going towards science. And doing this so it seems interesting that I've gone from way and back you know I've effectively <laughs> looped around got my my skills and came back and now thinking of new ways that I could use that so yeah that was really key so I think that... sometimes yeah absolutely um maybe when we're little we actually have it right and we actually unlearn what we know for a while and then develop some more skills and then we relearn ah this is actually what's fundamentally driving me and important to me we kind of do this squiggle career sometimes yeah and with that purpose exercise we almost look at um a timeline of your whole life and how you've yeah. like got to this point in your life both the positives and the negatives and distilling out the key life lessons from each of them and the themes within those lessons and it can be really interesting to see what themes keep replaying out in your life and sometimes they can have negative connotations in the past, like it has done for you in the area of emotions, but then you can use that in the future to inform a positive theme of emotion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. almost like, it's almost, yeah, the growth that you get from your own, your own experience, actually you, you, that's one of the, yeah, the key things, actually your experience is often in the face of our faux pas, we have lessons to learn. I'm going to phrase it like that. And <laughs> And pretty much, yeah. And yeah, so you can take those forward and use them or show advocate for them in a very positive way. Ah, this must be why I have so many lessons to share, Natasha. Exactly. <laughs> it's completely so, yeah. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> so since we're talking about the career design mastermind, are there any other tools or resources or insights that you found from that particular program that have been supporting you in your career transition? There's a couple I can think of. One I'm going to follow straight on from what you were saying, thinking about the skills that you build up. Because one of the things that I realize I've, I I keep in my head and almost was starting to help inform some of my transition was uh, this idea of natural talents. Um, so of course it's the the talent dynamics profiling system that um, Hannah uses. Um, who analyzes all and our skills and of course I came out as a lord who loves to analyze <laughs> and likes Let's problems psychological analyze if we're going to be uh, really specific if it's me yes it's completely that um <laughs> I like a problem to um to, to think about look at analyze pick all the details 
you know, a data set to dig my teeth into. I enjoy it. And I'm there. Pick. This is why you used to get. If you've had emails over things, go. What is this specific point? <laughs> you know, I oh, want I to love know your this. emails. <laughs> I love so. your emails. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I need to think about that. <laughs> exactly, because I just want to know. But because of that, I mean, actually, one of the things I realized that I actually did was I actually found it reassuring. Because if you think about being academic, being a scientist. That's kind of what you're doing. So because part of you goes, you know, if you're considering like life direction purpose, you know, if I'm considering something different, I could have gone, oh, gosh, did I do the wrong thing? Like the years I was doing, I went, well, no, actually, it made quite a lot of sense while you were down this path, even if now, you know, you might be taking a taking it in a new way. So, yeah, it was very reassuring. And I think then in the back of my head, it's gone like, well, I know in my work. If I can ensure that that part of that, you know, is there in some form. I mean, we all have to do tasks that aren't always in flow with ourselves. But if I ensure that I have that as part of my 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 work that I do and the future and all this, then I can keep myself in alignment and flow in that shell. So and things this way. Probably the other one, and it's the big lesson, one of my big lessons I keep having to learn is focusing very much on time and energy. Yeah. Whether that's structuring, you know, thinking about how you might compart- compartmentalize or stretch your day to actually keep you in flow and actually support your energy. So there's things like batching for energy matching. So as like tasks that together, which helps, um, you know, different things. It's funny, I've very recently, I have had a period of having to go on medical leave, which of course is all fine now, but actually having to come back. Um, so I returned from work from that short period. And realizing that that tool is so important actually because when you're sort of trying to replenish restore yourself if you're kind of getting a bit too scatty um mm. that will drain you in five seconds you know so you know and I keep having to remind myself of that and you know thinking about your own structure and yeah and actually making sure actually to preserve your own time for actually yourself um yeah because it's absolutely key because if you can't if you haven't put that time towards your self-care, you can't basically bring yourself forward into the world and do what you need to do, whether it's doing your work, being there for others. And that's another, yeah, that's been a very big one for me as well. Yeah. Some of those fundamental things, as I said, they're like literally module one yeah. <laughs> is time and energy in Hannah's career design mastermind and going, oh yeah, <laughs> so you know, really need to do that. I mean, really, it is foundational layer number one and it is that important because if we don't have that in place, we can't do all the other things on top of that when it comes to um, thinking about the beliefs we hold about ourselves, whether it's natural talents, whether it's figuring out next steps, purpose, mission, all the stuff. None of that can really happen if we can't even find time for ourselves to work on that kind of stuff, but being able to maintain a really like great structure and schedule to have multiple different areas in our life, not just career happening. And I think you've done, you've been through a process and it continues to be a process for me too. I know that when you've got external things going on in your life, it becomes even more important to have the, the structure and the process to put yourself first, to be able to give to others as a result of that totally actually that's what's been interesting about because of course I came to you first of all 2020 and I was doing one-to-one coaching with you and now I'm on career design mastermind and doing that and in some ways it's been actually because I guess I was at one stage career-wise um going through those tools and it's interesting going again 
Mm. You know, you know, and as I've, you know, sort of done a little bit of a career shift and redefining, let's say, things like mission. I mean, it's something still ongoing. I can actually look at those again and, you know, always having that tool that you can turn to. Exactly. These are tools that in five years time you can revisit and go, oh, what's the next chapter of my life? Oh, I can just yeah. have another explore of myself and what else is in there and what, what other direction is there for me? So I want to ask you now, because we have done some other work together, which is a process called voice dialogue. It's something that I'm hugely passionate about. And this is like referring back to that imposter syndrome. And for me, imposter syndrome is just the signs and the symptoms that kind of sit on the surface like that. Oh, am I really capable? Or they're going to find out that I actually don't know what I'm doing in this new role. Um, or I can't speak up in this meeting because I feel inferior to other people, whatever the expression is, that's the sign and the symptom. And actually what we work with in voice dialogue is what's underpinning all that, the voices in our heads, our pleasers, pushers, protect controllers, perfectionists, apathetic selves, maybe. Oh, all different kinds of selves and what their agendas are and how we can sort of turn the dial down on the ones that are maybe in the unhelpful range to allow ourselves access to parts of us that are currently not fully available. So I want to ask you, how have you found the process of voice dialogue for yourself? I mean, this is something, again, I like throwing myself in as a guinea pig, so I will be found fascinating anyway uh, <laughs> and trying, th you know, trying things out because I say, again, I guess when I go back to the thing beforehand of realising that there, I came to realise that there could be patterns, you know, we all pick up limiting beliefs and, you know, just through life experience and all these things and things that you're, you know, I don't know, cultural stereotypes, we'll put it like that. Um there were things that I definitely learned through that. And I guess when we did mine, I mean, we actually focused a lot on things like protective control or an apathetic self. And that was sort of first, the first ones. And I mean, that was interesting in itself. I think I came up with an analogy because I think what had been going on and it comes from something, I think through work and so on, I guess it's that idea of, when I said I've been losing my mojo, it's sort of like affecting sort of bits of motivation, things like this. So some of those aspects of those cells that you would be feeding into that as to what, you know, what's actually, what's actually just stopping that drive again, which is to say why those were the, the priority ones. So just being able to actually focus on it. But I remember the analogy I think I gave to you was the fact that I described those two as a bit like an anesthetic. Yes. It's a bit like the protective controller stopped you from seeing things if you don't you know, if you're not motivated to go towards, towards something and you're being stopped, it's just you, you don't see it. You know, think of a general anaesthetic blocked out and the apathetic self stops you from feeling mm -hmm. pretty much, you know. So it's stopping you from feeling too bothered and feeling like you should be driven towards it. So actually being able to sit down and work on things like that to like zest yourself up again, I think was incredibly important. And of course, I think we went on then to looking at vulnerability because I think... um yeah, I, especially when it comes to things like emotions, interpersonal relationships, that core thing of vulnerability is just so important, actually. And as I say, in an article that I know both Hannah and I were reading this morning on LinkedIn <laughs> by <laughs> the lovely Natsuko, 
Natsu Ko, yes, who's also has a podcast with me about her client journey. So check it out. But we'll also put the link to her um, article in the show notes from this session. Um, yeah, the basic, basically the fact that actually your vulnerability and your ability to be present, even if it means being vulnerable, is effectively your power. And again, if you think of it in the realms of things like wanting to create an open platform and space for people to speak, whether it's at work. This is something I was trying within my fellowship when I realized I had this, this interest with my students. But, but also being able to then show come as yourself, whether or not it's in the capacity of work or capacity of outside, as yourself, you create this, that safe space for others to do exactly the same. So you become a role model in your own self. So yeah, areas such as vulnerability, I that's definitely something that was very key to me I think and which of course opened up the door for all the other little things whether it's imposter syndrome you know capabilities people pleasing perfectionism pushing you know so yeah yeah so we did look at lots of different styles but those two in particular were I would say the knotty route that you want to kind of address and pull out at the the very core of it and all the others kind of were in supporter roles for those particular selves. Absolutely. So just to explain to those people who are listening, the protector controller is the part of you that's trying to keep you safe and comfortable and avoid emotions um, or hurt or pain at all costs. And it has you asking the questions, what if, like, what if this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and it will have you in avoidant behaviors. Like, if I don't do that, I'm not going to have to experience that or feel that in some way like that anticipation anxiety of what could could happen or go wrong and the apathetic self so some of my clients will be more of the superwoman type pusher like me you know like the really long list of to-do lists and driving your performance unmercifully and unable to stop and rest and some of my clients may have experienced burnout in the past and we tend to have that more um, I guess concern about going back into the pusher and dialing it up and then that means that the apathetic self takes over and we have more of that I can't push myself too too hard here and it's really interesting that you describe both in combination as that anesthetic yeah you know if I don't see I don't have to drive myself towards that if I don't feel I don't have to like feel any feelings about that yeah yeah, you're um, numbed effectively, or you just you just block it out. But, yeah, it's a brilliant strategy. You can see why the human brain does these things, and we do yeah. these things to ourselves. It's a protection mechanism to avoid the vulnerability that's mm -hmm. there. And so, when you're talking about the vulnerability, what we do is look at each different self has in and of itself a vulnerability. The ones that are the strongest are probably the ones that we're trying to really work with and partner with the most. But they all mm -hmm they all need partnering with and finding a new way to manage vulnerability inside instead of seeking external ways to numb it or um, unhealthy relationships in order to not feel our vulnerability and things like that. So I kind of think about it as vulnerability is your power, but it's more that everything that you're looking for is on the other side of that mm -hmm. vulnerability. So being able sense. to feel it, express it, be open to it is critical and the other thing is that there's no authenticity without vulnerability either absolutely 
let's say if you if you are not willing to be vulnerable and let's say almost say show your true self then yeah you are not you are not being you're not able to actually fulfill the thing of being authentic at all yeah but that ability to be authentic and vulnerable as you said you become a role model you enable other people to be able to stand up do these things do we can do hard things when somebody else is showing that that's a possibility as well mm-hmm. and I that's love amazing. that you are being a personal stand for that in the world as well thank you thank you it isn't an easy path no it's not it's <laughs> definitely not uh, to say it when you're very it's again it's I guess when it's when you're very used to to have been in one path before and it's something repetitive and it feels cozy and it feels safe and you're just used to that culture thinking almost bring yourself outside the box to mm. try and face something different it's just like I don't know what's out there and it could be wonderful but it might be scary you never know and your brain just goes let's just shut it off you know <laughs> and we'll not think about that because this is the easy path to say this is the whole point of you know the cave you know let's say the capability trap you know you can do these things you don't have to but we're used to them um and it's things that way so but yeah taking yourself out is a yeah it is a big step it definitely was a big step what I did earlier in the year I mean I guess I gradually built up to it um but I think it I paid the way and in some ways actually I look back and part of me goes oh gosh you know if I did a little bit of a shift now could I have done that earlier but it was actually through me still being in academia and starting to then supervise mm. my students so actually I I can phrase exactly how I transitioned I guess where I had the big light bulb moment after doing this work and being aware is that I guess as I went into my fellowship and I started supervising students of course part of me is going I have important things I want to advocate for and bring that in so as I supervise properly and I'd started going on courses on things like emotional awareness Mm -hmm. and intelligence and coaching and going how can I bring that into the workplace Uh, and with my students and so I went on this and I just learned these tools. I thought, oh, my God, they're amazing. Um, and then I tried them out on them because I not just made myself a guinea pig. I made them the guinea pig as well. <laughs> and, and, but it was as simple as things just as asked instead of just going, you know, if you go, you all right? And someone just goes, yeah, just changing your wording and just saying, how are you feeling? And suddenly them going, oh, I'm really happy with the simulation that went today. Oh, I'm not really sure about this thing. Can I check I'm doing it right? And it completely changed the way. I had feedback mm-hmm. and so it was through realizing that and going actually these things are so powerful and this, this is where suddenly I had the light bulb moment of going oh gosh um we're doing this and so part of me looks back and goes oh gosh you know when sh- when should I transition and said well actually that was so key and now I have that to take forward with me um to do that so sometimes yeah in all our experiences even if we look back and go, oh maybe I wasn't feeling like I was vulnerable at that point maybe there were lessons to learn from it and now I guess with those all the tools that I've had it's actually made me go actually it's just time to embrace this because I because I think actually what has sort of happening was simply the fact it's just trying to figure out where you're where you're driven and this is where I was I was just trying stuff on the students um and going actually I'm more driven to that than the other aspects of my day-to-day job and realizing it's actually worth taking a gamble on so effectively you say when I left or when I changed I thought I'll just try because I guess I thought to myself um you know I can consider academia as well I can do the other and if really worse comes to worse so I I guess I I am a consultant I took on a originally a 12-week position it's been extended since and I went into it and just said you know because part of it is oh my gosh it's awful 
you know, it could be dreadful. I don't know what's going to happen. But part of me just went and said, well, if really worse comes to worse, let's just throw yourself in and see what happens and say, let's just hypothetically say, oh, it was the most atrocious job and everyone's horrible. They're not. It's the complete opposite. I'd love to point out, but say it was. Yeah. What have I actually lost? Really? I have, regardless, I would have gained something new. New. I'd have new experiences to bring. Technically, because I'm still within the university, it would still fit with that academic thing if I suddenly realised, oh gosh, no, I've done the wrong thing. Run, go back. <laughs> you know, it yeah. wouldn't be too much of a thing. But sometimes you do just have to literally just throw yourself on the limb and go like, let's just try and see what happens. Well, regardless of what happens, I'm going to learn a lesson. So, and gain something from it. I think the key is there that you don't actually lose anything as a result. It's not like you lose your academic experience or the all the skills that you've built up. It's that that none of that is lost. That's also exactly. available for yeah. you should you yeah. choose to use it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I love that outlook. Um, I want to make sure, so I do have two questions for you before we finish, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to make sure you've had the opportunity to share everything that you want to say about your story. So is there anything that we haven't covered that you would still like to share with everybody? Have I covered everything? That's a good question. Um... Off the top of my head, I think we've covered most things, I think, that I would think of. And there's no doubt past part of it may come in in the next question that you probably have, especially if they're like one lessons to self, you know, <laughs> things like this. <laughs> yes, eh? I just yeah. wanted to throw it out there in case there was something like and you didn't give me the chance to say it terrible Don't worry. I'll think of it later when this evening go oh darn <laughs> that's usually the way oh, yes yeah. that's what Kininika did to me she said I forgot to tell them that we laugh a lot <laughs> but it's not all serious <laughs> well I'm telling them now um so my second to last my penultimate question um is if you could go backwards in time to any moment in your life and you could, at that time, whisper a piece of advice in your ear. What's the moment you would go back to? And what would you say to yourself? I think with this, it's hard for me to pick one specific moment. But there are, let's say, a small number of few different intervals that I can think of where I'd probably have given myself the same advice. <laughs> and it's this is the idea of patterns. Yeah. And... I think it's that fact of never underestimate the importance, again, of your self-care and that thing of connecting with what you want. Because when I look back at some of the stuff that's, you know, when I've had, you know, we all have ups and downs and some of those points where things would be difficult, it's often been because I have not been so connected with the things that I want, maybe those elements, again, of purpose and vision and what I'm doing and things like this and because again with that idea of what you want when things are a bit tough you're like but hang on I know I'm doing it for this reason I I have that thing behind me if you know what you want you know what you're advocating for mm. and driving you know striving for advocating for in life basically and they're so important again if we go back to that thing of self-care you know if you if you don't haven't got that in place, you basically well probably can't function, but you can't show up yourself. You know, if it's really bad, it's got to basic needs level. 
um, you know, you can't show up properly. I could give you an example, actually. It reminds me of a conversation that we had. Um, I came to you a little while back and I, I think I came probably in one of these group coaching calls or maybe through voice dialogue. And I went and said, gosh, at the moment, I feel like I can't make a decision and everything's just I'm being like too easy going and things like this. And it's like, is there something going on in me? And I think we sat down and we went through this and and it was a sort of a bit more of a chaotic time. It probably was actually when I'd started transitioning career and like everything's going on. And we analyzed this and looked at it and you, you literally came back to me and said, Pasha, it sounds like exact, you know exactly what you want. It's the fact that your needs have changed because effectively, instead of, you know, when you when you first make a change, you're just focusing on your survival. Because I say I did have a period of an unemployment beforehand, so it's figuring out those. So instead of those specific needs, like, oh, I, or wants, like, oh, I, I'd like this for dinner versus this, um, it's focusing on those basic things. But it's like, oh, yeah, it seems clear. I knew exactly what I wanted. It's just the fact it was like, it's like food <laughs> compared to I want, I want, you know, a lasagna or this and go to X restaurant. It was just, I, I just need food, <laughs> you know, or I just need to connect and I don't feel too, too bothered about this, actually. So again, it's that sort of thing of self-care you know, that changes almost your whole priorities, I say, in those cases. It does. Um, I think yeah. it's something that I often encourage people to look at, not just once in their life, but at least every three months because things change and therefore yeah. the needs that you have change. I remember that specific conversation we had and it was like, we're not working at self-actualization needs right now. We're working yeah. at basic survival yeah. level, food, exactly. shelter, water, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. And that affects, you know, that affects every, you know, you, you know, how you, you know, what you're bringing, you know, how you interact with others, because if someone's wanting to know the specific thing you want and your brain's just going food, whatever's the closest way for food. And it's nice to see you. I'm sure, you know, and that's all your brain's doing. Um, yeah, that affects everything. So it's so important. So and again, yeah, those multiple times that self-care and connection. I often realize, especially the, the connection, I realize have been <laughs> those things. When they've been hard, I can probably attribute it in some form to those things. And I think maybe the the follow-up to that is that possibly if there's anything that's blocking it, because that's been, let's say, this personal development journey that actually stops you from doing that, it's worth sorting yeah. pretty much in that cell. Um, I say it will vary for everyone. You know, sometimes it might just be, something my like a basic limiting belief it could be something a bit more substantial that's actually doing it internally in you it could be an emotionality whatever it is if something does come up it's just worth looking at that and actually going facing it you know if you're angry or whatever it's worth just getting it out <laughs> and finding the best way for you because otherwise it's just going to come back and bite you in the backside I'll be blunt so you know <laughs> yes. you talked about anger there um do you want to share how you get your anger out, Natasha? <laughs> um, well, there's multiple ways you can get your anger out, but I know exactly what Hannah's referring to, so I will tell the story. Um, I have a feeling like uh, a lot of a lot of people, especially like if it's quite a common... I mean, I've actually heard, I think both genders, well, different genders I've heard say this, but I know something quite common with women, they can often feel like they have been, you know, there's this hot stereotype of them being the good girl and sometimes things like anger and so on can be a little bit of a difficult space you know and I think it's something I knew I had and I think also if you have things in your life where 
more comes in, then then you can actually process it comes out. Things can build up. But to tell the backstory of what, what this is about, um, so I think earlier this year I I'd had something happen and, you know, naturally you you know you feel your feelings with it and it's one of those things that I'd probably been annoyed about but had been able to then rationalize it you know go like okay I get what's happened here this is the thing that was wrong but put it all in place and I came on this call though because something was still bothering me and you know doing this I thought oh gosh I need to have a conversation I need to do this and I was talking it through and Hannah goes to me you still sound like you're angry Natasha <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what happened and I um and so we were just like going so I think you know the recommendation is like you know because sometimes you can do different things this is where it's different tactics you know if you can have those conversations where you can express it that's fine sometimes we can't always get that um and there's different things a bit like you know you can move do you use movement to do things you can you can scream. shout no to exactly exactly yeah yeah. you can I mean there's other ones like punching a pillow they always recommend I mean to be honest when I heard that one I just went if I'm going to do this I'm going to do it properly I think we'd had conversations a bit like if we're you know you could go down the gym and basically take, go to a punch find a you know where you can just take it out on a punch bag and just get that energy out of your body because often those things just get stored and I knew I know that's something I've had um and basically I think I was thinking to myself and I think it wasn't too long before I was then going to have to move house and going, how can I do this? I mean, what's a good way to do this? And what happened is one day I went into my attic and saw this pile of matches. But do you know, that'd be great to give a bash to. And it saves me going <laughs> to do this. <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. Now, that's not what I used in the end. I went, but what could I do? So I invested in a baseball bat. <laughs> and so the way I, I did process that was to, instead of use the mattresses, so I didn't have to keep going to my attic, um, there was a couch in my room with very sturdy cushions that I could basically take the baseball back to <laughs> and use that. So instead of the punching that that is effectively what I used um, to go and process that. And I do still have that baseball back if I ever need it. I mean, I don't have that couch the same, but yes, that is effectively what I did um, to actually push that out. And again, it's just like that, you know, because you can feel when things like anger are stored in your body, you know, um, you know, you you feel the tension and so on and you know when you can do something again that just completely you know works on that it can be completely relieving in a different way I say our bodies store so much and we, do, because we can think our way out of the situation I can be rational I can you know say I'm going to do this decision I'm going to do this but it doesn't fundamentally change the way that we feel about it if we don't release some of the feelings and so being able to process emotions in a really healthy way, rather than taking a baseball bat to someone's face, do it on a mattress. <laughs> it's amazing. And I also know that anger is a second degree emotion as well. So usually what we'll find is releasing anger uncovers some kind of hurt or pain inside as well. And, and allowing the access to be able to release that emotion on the back of it as well. So my final question for you today then is, if somebody listening to this was about to start work with me, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? I think it would be to come with an open mind. As I say, I think, you know, you're being, you know, when you come and start a coaching journey, um, 
you're being tools that you you know tools you can use and with harness support and facilitation to be able to make progress but you never I think it's that concept of the fact that you never know what you might <laughs> unveil about <laughs> to say and just be willing to go you know have faith have trust and actually be willing to go through that process of actually you know trying those things out and seeing what difference they can make for you whether or not it's as simple as how are you stretch your day to um what emotional allergies you may have <laughs> to say it can be very vast so I'd say come in game and very open for the process ahead I love that thank you for sharing your story with us today Natasha and I hope to get one of your insightful detail orientated emails very soon with a nuanced question because it makes me think and I love that it's my pleasure I can see what I can conjure up now <laughs> to say I'm sure there will be something I'm pretty sure I probably had something in the back of my head already to, to send you away it's that's the way I work so yeah but uh, no it's a pleasure thank you so much for allowing me to be on thank you for listening to women in stem career and confidence to get further support in your journey join me in breakthrough unleashed on facebook